Do you dream about your next trip? You're in the right place. On the Time to Talk Travel podcast, we come to you weekly to share places to go and what to do when you get there. Let's dive into this week's adventure. Hi, we're here for another episode of Time to Talk Travel. And today it's myself, Nasreen, Sharon, and Des, and we are going to talk you through a ton of information on how to celebrate spooky season, which is more than just Halloween. While it comes into play near Halloween, there are things to do year round that have a haunted edge to them that are growing more and more popular. Sharon is our resident expert on this, so I'm going to let her lead off with a couple of her favorite ideas, and then we're just going to go from there. Spooky season is really all year round. And as it relates to travel, I think a lot of people do things when they leave home that they would never otherwise do. They try something out, an unusual experience. It's, you know, like trying a new food when you go to a new city. So travel time is really a time when you can open yourself up to new experiences and try something new out. And you see that in the popularity of ghost tours. I would say that ghost tours are kind of the gateway drug of paranormal adventuring. Everybody has gone on a ghost walk or something like that at one time or another. Another really low occult experience. It's a little bit spooky. That's really fun. A lot of cities this time of year do cemeteries alive. And that's a way to learn about local history. They'll bring in actors who will dress in period costume and stand at the graveside of famous local personalities and tell their stories. It's part theater, part ghost tour, a little bit spooky, but not too scary. From there, it's a jumping off point. There's so many haunted, paranormal, spiritual, unusual, natural phenomenon type activities you can do when you travel, whether you're visiting a natural phenomenon or you're going to a haunted hotel, I don't even know where to start. I mean, I'd love to hear what kind of things you guys like to do, what your preferences are. Maybe we can talk about some of the experiences out there. Wow. There is so much. And I love the gateway drug thing with the ghost tour, because definitely that's how a lot of people start out. And I'm trying to think it was probably my starting out point as an adult. I'm in New England. We have a lot of history. There's a lot of cemetery type tours and historical actor spots to go to. But you said natural phenomenon, which I'm going to start with that for a second for me, because I don't think people always go there in their mind when they're thinking of spooky things to do. And for us, when we went to Big Bend in Texas, extremely remote, far out there, Close to there are the Marfa lights. And there are all of these ideas about what they may or may not be. And they're basically floating lights that happen at night. And some people were trying to debunk them. Are they cars on a different road? There's no roads over there. They're regular. They show up. But they have an entire visitor's viewing center built around this phenomenon now where you can stop. And if you don't see the lights, but you get there early enough, you'll get gorgeous, gorgeous sunset pictures. So either way you're winning. <laughs> That's great. Now, have you seen the bats in San Antonio? Mm-hmm. And Austin and Houston has them too. I think a lot of people associate them with certain cities, but they all come out like a giant sheet of 
whatever. And it's amazing to see, but also slightly terrifying. And I'm, I don't like dung. Yeah, I don't like bats either. I, I will admit that is not one of my favorites. I think some people shy away from it because they get a little uncomfortable around things that feel occultish or feel like they border on dark magic or black magic. And religiously speaking, that's an area that makes a lot of people uncomfortable. But so many of these experiences are really more on a historical level, like crawling through the catacombs of various cities and doing underground tours. We did a phenomenal underground tour in Edinburgh. Most European cities have great underground tours that are a little bit creepy, but don't quite creep into that territory. I think that turns people off. I, I don't like being scared. I don't. I am the person who doesn't like going to scary movies. I'll watch them in my house with the in the middle of the day with the lights on. I don't do scared. I have learned, though, to embrace some of it and that I don't think all the ghosts are terrifying. We're talking about travel, but I live in a home that I swear to you is is haunted now. But she's a nice ghost who likes me. I, I really believe that. I looked up the history of this particular person who used to live in this home. She fell down the stairs. No one in the neighborhood tells me she died falling down the stairs. She was taken to the hospital. But we share a birthday. We are friends, but I mean, there have been times I've been downstairs alone and heard the chair in the office rolling upstairs. The house doesn't lean. I I have learned to embrace ghosts. It used to terrify me. I will do the haunted tours. There's a hotel in Savannah. I remember on the tour, the guy said, anybody staying at this hotel? And two people in the crowd raised and they said, this is the most haunted place in Savannah because it used to be an old union hospital. They talked about doing digs where they found body parts. Somebody would lose a limb and they just throw it in the basement. I I was glad not to be staying at that hotel. I've stayed in LA at the Roosevelt Hotel where they talk about one particular room being haunted. I was happy not to be staying in that room. I get you there, right? I am not a scary movie person either. I don't like watching it in the theaters, mostly because I'm the person who's gonna be like, oh, don't go in there, don't go in there. You know, I, so I don't do that. I'm not gonna ruin it for everyone else. I don't like jump scare. I like history. I like stories. I like the unexplained, why something exists, feeling like there's something bigger than us and how it, it works and learning more about it and how people have tried to debunk it and been wrong. And for me, I do like the haunted hotels, the haunted prisons, things like that. So I know I've mentioned on other episodes that I stayed in a prison, a converted prison for my honeymoon. It's the Liberty Hotel in Boston. Gorgeous. Didn't get a haunted vibe off of there, but we stayed in the tower. Maybe that had something to do with it because that was new. But then also the Emily Morgan in San Antonio is next to the Alamo. It is the second most photographed building in San Antonio. And it used to be a hospital and then a psychiatric ward. And 100% in the multiple times I've stayed there feels haunted. What is it about hospital psychiatric wards and prisons? They are always haunted. It's guaranteed practically. (laughs) I'm a ghost magnet, so I have to be careful. I know I sound like a crazy person. I had a whole podcast about supernatural experiences. I am a ghost magnet and I won't stay at a haunted hotel. Not so much because I'm afraid of like dark and evil Hollywood style ghosts, but because I feel like spirits attach themselves to me and are really needy. People talk about Ouija boards to me. Having a Ouija board is the equivalent of putting cat food out on your back porch and attracting 
skunks and possums and raccoons. You just don't know what kind of spirits are going to show up. And I feel like when I go to a haunted hotel, they're all banging on my door. They're all like, can I talk to you? Let me tell you something. Pay attention to me. Have you had a weird experience though, where something has happened to you that put you in jeopardy? I have never had an experience that something has happened to me that has put me in jeopardy. I've had a million experiences where ghosts were annoying to me and bothersome to me. I've had some experiences where I was creeped out. The closest thing I had to an experience where I felt really scared was actually in a church in Estonia, where I walked in and I looked up and I literally saw a black cloud just swirling up in the nave, like a dragon chasing its tail. The most horrible feeling came over me. I was there with my son who was four at the time. He was on my husband's shoulders and I literally grabbed him off my husband's shoulder and ran out the door. And everybody was like, what the heck is wrong with you? Are you okay? And I was like, there's something very wrong with this church. I later learned that the church had been built on a pagan site that was considered the gateway to hell. (laughs) And I don't even believe in that. But in that one church, that one time, I don't know what I saw, but I saw something bad. I have questions now because I visited a church in Estonia and had a really weird experience too. So now I'm sitting here going, it was the same one. It wasn't, this one was the ruins of a church. It wasn't a physical church. Most of the churches in Estonia were built on pagan sites as an effort to redirect the worship and the religion there. I don't want to go. This makes me never want to go to Estonia. Estonia is so lovely. Estonia is amazing. You want to go. And my experience wasn't as bad. It just felt a little weird. And it was right when I walked in and we walked around for a little bit. I was taking some pictures. And then afterwards they had mentioned that there was a struggle between essentially the brothers and the sisters of the different churches the sisters had basically been pushed off of this church land where their convent used to be. And the brothers had come in and taken it over. And there was some talk about potential foul play and, or just really using their power for it. And I'm like, okay, that, that explains a little bit of maybe the uneasiness I'm picking up. So so this is another topic that I've talked about on, on my other podcast is picking up on the echoes of history. If you're an empath and a person who's particularly empathetic, I really do believe that just some of the vibes, some of the energy of past struggles, past relationships, past natural disasters, some of that energy is still there and and you might feel it when you go there. It's not something that you can measure, but I believe Having experienced it, I know that to be true. I've walked into places and just been like something really bad happened here. Yep. Got a bad vibe from it. And then gone and done the research and been like, yup, <laughs> yup, that's pretty bad. Where else would you say, since we're talking travel and talking haunted, what, what other cities? Naz, you talked Northeast. Salem, to me, that would be so fascinating. Um, and I know it gets super popular around Halloween, right? Well, where else? You can't walk two feet without running into ghosts in New Orleans. That's a pretty safe. There's more ghost tours and more ghosts in New Orleans. Pretty much all over the South, anywhere that there are Civil War battles and cemeteries, there's going to be some haunts haunting. The town where I grew up in, Metuchen, New Jersey, had a lot of haunted buildings. The Metuchen Inn was supposedly haunted. I never experienced anything there, but famous for having ghosts. 
I think anywhere up and down the entire East Coast. Here in California, San Juan Capistrano, the Los Rios district and the mission are notoriously haunted. A lot of people have seen ghosts and supposedly the lady in white legend comes from here. Although a lot of locations claim the lady in white. So I'm not going to lay down and fight over that. That makes me think about Jamaica. They have the round hill, I believe it is, where they're saying that sometimes when you take photographs, someone appears in the mirror and it had a, a feeling. I didn't see anything. I looked at my pictures afterwards. There wasn't anything in them. As far as cities with a lot of history and a lot of ghost tours and historical tours and cemetery tours and things like that, that I didn't necessarily feel a lot in were Galveston. There's a huge history there with floods and hurricanes and, and thousands and thousands of victims back in the day. There are a lot of different ghost tours there that are very historic based. I love the history of it. I like to hear the stories of the people and what made them unique and why they turned into legends. We have that here in Atlanta. They do the cemetery where people have dressed up. I was there once. Margaret Mitchell, who wrote Gone with the Wind, is buried there. There's a whole other section that was for slaves. And that part is said to be haunted. But again, you tell me something's haunted and I don't necessarily want to go check it out. I'm more of a skeptic, but Sharon, you talk about the paranormal and people coming in. Have you done an overnight with the devices where they registered audio? I will not do that. I'm happy to send my daughter in. She loves to do that sort of thing. Actually, she did until she actually had an experience. And now she's like me, let's leave it to other people because we had an experience in Poland together, myself and my two daughters, that was like life-changing for them and vindicating for me because they, they thought I was batshit up until that moment. After that, they were like, oh, yeah, mom, we listen to you now. I have not done an overnight. The place that people are constantly trying to get me to do an overnight is the Queen Mary in Long Beach. That's one of the few haunted places I won't even go because I've interviewed too many people who have carried ghosts home from their experiences there. I, I don't want to have to deal with this. So bad Bad ghosts. I do believe there are good and there are bad. Bad ghosts. I don't know how you define good versus bad, but ghosts that made them extremely uncomfortable and like slammed things and broke things. And so I won't stay overnight there. I don't even want to step foot on that ship. One of my earlier jobs was in food service for a coffee company. And we were the vendor on that ship. And I heard from account managers who went on that ship. You spend some time when you set up an account, you go on, you're on there, you're training people, you're overseeing the installation, you're making sure all the equipment works. Then you're going back and visiting them quarterly and people are like, this is sketchy. I've probably talked to hundreds of people about their haunted experiences. And that is the one place that pretty much everybody is like, it was weird, something happened. I also don't like being scared either. I don't go to the events at Knott's Berry Farm. They have the Fright Night or whatever they call it. I don't go to any of those things because I hate jump scares and I hate being scared. That's First of all, let's go back for one second, because if you're listening to this podcast and your entire purpose for listening was to get out the scariest place to go or the place that there was most likely to be something, go to Queen Mary. That's the consensus. Go. We warned you, but go. 
And then tell us about it. We want to hear about it. Let us know what happened. Exactly. (laughs) Because we we don't mind hearing about it. We just don't want to be subjected to it. Exactly. I think we're all not big on the jump scare, but there is something else that I saw when we were initially talking and Sharon is sharing this giant list that we'll publish as an article about all the different things that you can do to celebrate spooky. And one of the things you said was visit a UFO site. And in New Hampshire, there's a couple of different things going on. First of all, the town of Exeter has an alien UFO festival, which just happened. And WBZ Matt did this TikTok segment on it that was hilarious. But also there's the whole Benny and Betty Hill incident. So they were supposedly abducted. There's multiple historical markers in New Hampshire dedicated to their hometown, to where they were supposedly abducted from and all of that. I know that when we went through Roswell, there's a McDonald's that plays into that whole theming. Have you guys done any of those? No, (laughs) I'm the the alien expert right now. You're the alien expert. (laughs) My expertise doesn't run deep. It just happens to be around me. I have no desire to connect with aliens either. People are weird enough, you know, mix in ghosts and aliens and I'm overloaded. Are they weird because they're among us? Maybe the people are. (laughs) Maybe they're the aliens dressed as people. Who knows? What about about time travelers? Do you believe there's time travelers? Oh, yes. I love that. Now that I, I will sign up for. But I want to land in the correct time. I don't want to be sent back to the Roman Wars. I want life to be easy. If only we could time travel as part of our travel experiences. Imagine our packing list. There's no insurance, but I'm going to pack a lot of penicillin. (laughs) Yes, right? Like the character when she brought back the medical books. I don't necessarily want to go into the future. I watch the sci-fi movies and I don't know that I'm interested in being alive 100 years from now. I think for me, I sat there and I was like, oh, I don't know if time travel is real because I feel like, how did someone not bring a specific thing back that then changed... But then I look at what's going on today and I'm like, yeah, someone changed something when they came and it's all just going wild. So (laughs) there's a piece of me that's like, oh, this could definitely be possible. But in, in my embarrassing story end of things, when I was younger, elementary school, we had to read this book called Playing Beady Bow. I don't know if you've ever read it. It's a fantastic children's historical fiction book. And basically this girl goes back to Victorian times by accident, by essentially having this piece of fabric that used to belong to one of her distant relatives or great grandmother, she goes back, she falls in love, she goes back and forth. It, it's just this really well-written book. But I remember after that, I would literally go around in Goodwills and be like, am I going to go somewhere? I just had this, it was so real to me. It was so real. So I loved you know I had that. A book that was, I had a book that was very real to me as well. And it was Diary of Anne Frank. Sixth grade, we read it. And I went home and my dad was an avid reader. He had all the time life encyclopedia books behind him. And I said, daddy, I have been there. I read her book and I said, I've been in those concentration camps. I'm not Jewish. I didn't have vast knowledge of this in the past, but he opened up his books and I said, I've been there in that place. I remember it. And I don't know if it was some weird past life. I don't know. Maybe he watched a movie and it embedded in my brain, but I was changed by that book. And to this day, I tell people, I feel I was there. I remembered it. I have not been Auschwitz this summer. I'm going to Amsterdam and going to Anne Frank's house to book the tour. 
it scares me a little in that how much is going to flood back in my brain. I know this sounds crazy. Like Sharon's saying she's a ghost magnet. I know people think it's odd, but I've been there. I knew it. There is so much about science and treatment and all these other things that we don't know. When my father-in-law had cancer, they put him in a trial where they essentially took some of his cells and made these like T-cell Pac-Man. They, the doctor called them Pac-Man that they could treat him with later if he needed it. And there's been so much in just biology startups and things lately talking about how sometimes there's no explanation, but your body remembers an ancestor's experience or someone distantly connected to you that they were having these instances where somebody's great grandfather had a very specific injury and a child didn't know the story of the great grandfather, the distant uncle, whatever, but had an issue or been like, oh, I don't know what happened, but my elbow feels fine. There's nothing wrong with the elbow. There is something to be said for cells maintaining some type of memory or flexibility. And I really do believe in that. We've covered a lot. (laughs) Covered a lot of territory here. I was going to go into the whole fortune telling and aura reading and all of that, but uh, you know, that's light stuff. We can list that on the blog of the, the little light experiences for those of us who just want to, you know, have fun. Yes. And travel expands your horizons and your experience makes you think about new things. And clearly we've all gone there in a different way. <laughs> and in different lives, which I believe in. I'm your safe person when it comes to talking about all things woo, because my mind is wide open when it comes to that. Well, I think it's strange to be like, this thing could happen, but this couldn't. How do you decide that? I I just like to be open. (laughs) I'm trying to think through if there's anything else that we should specifically cover here. We talked about spooky things. None of us like jump scares, haunted hotels, historical tours, touched on some UFOs and witchcraft, aura reading, tarot cards. I think we need a little tip here on this. Let's say somebody wants to do an aura reading or tarot cards, but a a lot of people feel overwhelmed. How do you select someone? What are your tips for that? Ask around, ask some locals. My best tip, which has worked for me, is to go with your gut. Go to the one that you feel drawn to. I don't think that there is a right answer. Tarot card readings are one of those things that you're going to get out what you put in. You want to approach it with an open mind, have a really clear and simple question. When you sit down with a tarot card reader, they're not going to tell you your entire life and what's going to happen year by year and how many grandchildren you're going to have and who you're going to marry and how much money you're going to make. Should I quit my job would be an appropriate question. Or is there something I don't know about in my relationship? Should I be suspicious of somebody? Very targeted questions. And go with the person that you feel comfortable with. Look at the decks of cards that they're using. That's something else to ask if you're pre-booking. What cards do you use? Some people use cards that are fairy-oriented or witch-oriented. Some of them use the classic Rider Waite deck. Some of them use more occult-ish decks. You're going to get more out of a reading with cards you feel comfortable with. I have a deck that's cats that I use. There's nothing religious or spooky about it. For me, it's it's the advice that you do for everything else. Talk to the locals, Mm. not necessarily the concierge at the hotel desk, but the person cleaning rooms. I love to ask the locals where they go for XYZ, because you're going to get a much more 
honest feel for the area. And if there's someone who's well known for getting the nail on the head for tarot cards or anything else, the locals will know. No, that's great advice. Those are things I haven't done. I love to ask the good questions about that. One last question that is semi-related, but not a hundred percent. There's this trend right now with making a fake family or getting family portraits in a Goodwill or Savers or something. You go in and you find an old derogatory, I don't know how to say the word, but the older picture. Okay. Thank you. I know I'm saying it wrong. People are picking them up and bringing them home. And so with everything we've said today about haunted hotels and spooky travel and everything, if you're in a city like New Orleans and you see something in a shop like that, don't, okay, there we go. That's the answer. Don't take it. I wouldn't, but that's me. (laughs) I'm a ghost magnet. I attract stray spirits. My husband could probably have a hundred spirits following him around and he would sleep fine through the night and not even notice. But me, I've got like one and I'm like... Who's there? Oh, I just know it's such a trend right now. People go to places like Brazil and buy the replicas, shrunken heads. And in older times, you could get that stuff. Just, no, why would you invite that? No, don't bring it home. You mentioned thrift stores and thrifting for me is my most haunting experience. When I go through thrift stores, I see a million different spirits. I feel a million different stories as a fiction writer and I'm stuck, I go right to a thrift store because literally just by touching things, all my problems work out. It's like all the stories come to me at thrift stores. I do the same thing, but not for exactly the same reason. It centers my mind and clears everything. If I can just flip through stuff and look around, it it clears me. (laughs) It's it's good static. (laughs) Good static. Okay. Does any last spooky spirit place travel things you want to share? (laughs) I just have fun with it. You can be a skeptic like I was and still enjoy a ghost tour in Savannah. You don't have to buy into everything they're saying. It doesn't have to be terrifying. It doesn't have to be only Halloween. You learn about the city. It's not just about the scares. It's a good way to get the education without it sounding like a history lesson. And I think it's fascinating for the kids. I did it with my teenager and she really enjoyed it. I had sat her down and said, read this book on Savannah. She'd been like, please, mom. It is a way to make history and everything engaging for them. So on that note, thank you so much for joining us on this episode of Time to Talk Travel, where we covered far more than travel. And join us next time when we talk about another travel topic. Thank you for joining. This has been another episode of Time to Talk Travel, brought to you by HashtagTravels.com. You can keep in touch with us between episodes by checking out our site, joining our newsletter, or connecting with us on social. We've always got the information you need in our episode notes. Until next time, happy travels, and thanks for being a part of our trip.